This is URM. It's the Knots Outlaws, 2020 champions in 2020. Hello and welcome back to Sticky Wickets. Yes, we are back after a long rain delay of coursework and exams, but we are back now to discuss so much cricket. England versus New Zealand. England losing their first uh, home series since 2014. England's women versus India's women. Uh, India's women's first test match in seven years and the Kiwis winning the World Test Championship. To guide me through this massive topic is the Colin de Grandhome of Euron Sports. He is reliable. He fills up the middle overs. He lets other flair players play around Gosh. him. Your Benjamin DeLowes, your Reese Davids, your James Aldridge. He is a crucial part of a winning team that wins trophies. And he has very questionable hair. Toby, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, how are you? Uh, I'm in self-isolation and I was saying to your screen how bored I am. And the cricket's really stopped as soon as I got into self-isolation, same with the football. So I couldn't have timed this worse, but I'm getting out for England-Germany, which I'm very excited about. Let's talk about England versus New Zealand. A horror show on the pitch and not so good off it either. Let's start with Joe Root's first loss as a home at home as captain. Toby, what were your thoughts on the two games for England against the mighty New Zealand team? Um... Mixed, mixed mainly. I thought we showed a little bit of promise at points through the game, which was at least nice to see. But but generally, it was it was pretty poor. I thought um, it really showed the lack of the lack of an all rounder. Um, we were missing Wokes, Curran, Stokes. Uh, even if one of them was just playing, would have just given a bit more balance to the size. Uh, the lack of Butler as well, big James Bracey, not not making big impact in his first two Test matches. Um, and it's it's a shame that we've we've lost the home series, but it did eventually have to happen, probably. Um, and with two more important series coming up now against India and Australia, we, we still need to move on as quick as we can, get back, realise it wasn't necessarily our strongest team. We're missing four or five key players um, who all could have come in and helped um, get a better result. Um, and I also think one thing we all need to realise is no one, none of us really thought we were going to blow New Zealand away. I mean, you predicted we'd lose 2-0. I think I said 1-all or 1-0 or whatever. So neither of us really thought we're going to just have... We're going to be fantastic. We're, we weren't really kidding ourselves. And, and aside from sort of the Burns 100, uh, which was fantastic, if you run from him, um, there wasn't a huge amount to go off. Only Stone looked decent, which is which is really, really good to see. Um, as I think he's sort of, uh, really, really good upcoming uh, player and hopefully be could be quite key in Australia, um, the kind of bowler he is. Uh, and they just brought in Jimmy. Didn't quite um, get hit the ground running like, like I'm sure they, they would have wanted to. Yeah, I, I wasn't massively impressed with Jimmy Anderson. But the 162 test matches, it's an incredible achievement. 162 test matches. He's been through so many captains. I think Nasser Hussein's his first one. So that means Michael Vaughan, Andrew Strauss, Kevin Peterson, Freddie Flintoff. Alistair Cook, Ben Stokes for a match, and then Joe Root. So it's been quite a weird... He's been through the whole of our lives as a cricketer. What does Jimmy Anderson mean to you, mate? Uh, for me, he's sort of... He's one of the first players I can really remember. And he's always been there for, like, not for me, but he's always been part of that England team. What does Jimmy Anderson mean to you and how great is he? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I don't think anyone can really deny it. He's, it's the longevity he's had. One of my first sort of cricketing memories was the 2009 Cardiff Test match uh, with him and Monty Panesar batting out the draw right at the end, not really understanding what cricket was and, and, and sort of why they weren't trying to score runs and hit sixes and everything. Um, and, and then obviously, as the, the time goes on, you sort of start to realise why Anderson wasn't trying to hit sixes. <laughs> uh and so yeah, he's it's it's fantastic. He's he's still going. He's gonna you think at least play um, possibly until the next home ashes in what three four years to, uh, two three years time. Um, so it's it's gonna be gonna be interesting to see how how he keeps going. And I'm sure he'll keep wanting to play. And listening to him on tell is like like I know we both do. Um, it, it sounds like that that he's he wants to try and uh, sort of get as close to sort of. Anil Kumble and Warney um, and Murley, if possible, which will be an unbelievable effort if he gets anywhere near any of them. Out of the 162 test matches, what has been your favourite Jimmy Anderson moment? Oh, weirdly, I think it's it's always just batting. A lot of people remember, um, or, or I do anyway. It's it 2009, as I mentioned, uh, the 81 he got it uh, against India, and and this sort of was it. 20, 30 ball duck he got against um, Shranka when he got oh, out on the final ball. That was heartbreaking, that was. Yeah. yeah, that was a very tough. Um, he batted so long and it would have been off, and it was just off the back of um, that whitewash, wasn't it, against Australia? Yeah. And English cricket was in absolute turmoil. And we were so unlucky not to win at Lords against Shranka. There was a bit of rain, it was a very grey day. And we just bowled and bowled and bowled and just couldn't get the last tail under out. And um, then, obviously, we go to Headingley. Headingley, I'm convinced, was cursed until Ben Stokes. As an England fan, I hated watching us at Headingley. And then, obviously, Ben Stokes and Jack Leach happened. And, obviously, it's a great ground again. But um, to just go for so long, just the way he sort of fell on his bat, that, like, it was so unfair on him. Yeah, he batted so long. Him and Moeen Ali, I seem to remember in those Waitrose England kits, which were quite nice. And uh, yeah, that was very disappointing. I'm going to throw in my favourite moment, him versus Michael Clark at Trent Bridge, day one of the 2013 Ashes. Just beautifully bold. And just him pointing at the stumps was an absolute magic mm. moment. And probably my favourite moment of Ashes cricket um, on like the first day. Like it just defined that Ashes for me. Let's move on to a bowler who hasn't covered himself in glory. Ollie Robinson. Um, no relation to Tommy Robinson, we've been told, but you can't judge it by some of the tweets. <laughs> I had a look at these tweets and I'm going to be honest, there's there's no sort of, oh, it hasn't aged well. They're, they are just offensive. And from what I understand about what certain members of ex-teammates have said about him, former coaches, at that time in his life, it probably wasn't the best Ollie Robinson, um, not the cleverest Ollie Robinson. And obviously... This led to a massive media storm on the day of his first test match after bowling quite well, I thought. Um, Toby, what are your thoughts on the Ollie Robinson situation from bad tweets on the day where England cricket said we're against hate speech and his suspension afterwards? Yeah, I mean, it's always disappointing, particularly as he had such a good first day, um, getting a couple of wickets, bowling really nicely, I thought. And then sort of get in that final session, everything sort of coming out. And someone obviously saw those tweets from probably five years ago, or maybe not five years ago, but a few years ago when Ollie Robinson started. Eight years ago. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah exactly. When he was getting 
getting his game going in cricket and then someone must have seen it, probably saved it and thought, well, I can release it now when he's some random country cricketer waiting to play for England and it's, it's really come out of the wrong time for him, um, which is which is a shame. And I think you can't defend it. It's, it's There's just nothing right about it at all. Um, I think the, the one thing that perhaps people do need to remember is, as you mentioned there, Ollie Robinson, as an 18-year-old, was was in a, I think he's even said he wasn't in a great place. He he wasn't sort of, he didn't necessarily sort of really like him or he didn't sort of uh, he, he wasn't great um, in general. Uh, lots of people have said how as an eighteen year old he was a bit of a loose cannon, um, really sort of not understanding himself as a, as a person as a cricketer, and how he has changed over the past ten years or, or nine years, eight years, um, uh, and to to really try and improve himself, which. I think it has done, but but you do have to to, to question some of, some of the tweets. What did you think about it, all, Dom? I I I just thought it was such bad timing. Uh, the day where I was like really proud of England cricket, wearing those shirts, New Zealand joining in, uh, not wearing the shirts, but you know, it's not New Zealand were present and very happy to be there uh, against social media and uh, some of the problems it can bring, and then it just is leaked over the day and. It was such a shame. Ollie Robinson, not someone I was massively familiar of, but it's very, very hard to defend those actions. And I know it's eight years ago, but why hadn't the ECB or Ollie Robinson himself gone through those messages and, you know, vetted them? And we all make mistakes. And I think our generation has it so hard because to say our parents' generation cocked up, there was, it was in the pub and no one would have heard it. There's no record of it. But if you make them a very visible, it's so visible, so sort of uh, easy to get at a mistake because it's just there. There's so much evidence. You can't hide. You can't deny it. It is very hard on our generation. But that don't get me wrong, that does not exclude what Ollie Robinson has said. It's very, it's, it's just not right for him to say that. And you can't really say it was 2012 or whenever it was because there were, you know, that, that sort of joke wasn't acceptable then. It, it just it doesn't sit right with me that the ECB didn't go through it. I think that shows how almost the problems the ECB have always had with social media never 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 been you know on it. They've always been on the platform just behind. Sometimes like they weren't great with Instagram. I'm sure they were great with MySpace, but <laughs> like <laughs> we need to move on to uh, develop. And Michael Vaughan actually said something quite intelligent about that, which is quite rare for Michael Vaughan on political matters sometimes. But yeah, it was it was a dark moment and it sort of overshadowed what should have been a great day for Ollie Robinson. Let's move on now to much happier news as England's women played India and it finished a draw in Bristol. This was India's first test match in over seven years. But it was also the debut of England's first female black cricketer. So much positivity there, Toby, compared to what we've just been talking about. Let's start with India playing their first test match in over eight years. Uh, the female team, what will that do to the uh, female game in India? Oh, you do hope it would help it hugely. There's been a lot of talk about female cricket in India with the lack of an IPL. They've got their sort of three-team championship or whatever they call it that's, that's sort of nowhere near the, the size of the, the Women's Big Bash or the, the IPL in general. Um, I think this, this should really help. There was, as I, I do remember when India first announced it, they wanted to play a test against England. The ECB were caught a bit, bit of surprise. I think someone tweeted out on International Women's Day from from the BCCI saying we've got a test match against in England over the summer, 
And the ECB was like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> not, not really understand, not really Again, knowing much about ECB. it. <laughs> um, and and it's fantastic. It, it was a great game as well, which, which is which is really which is going to help the game even more. Um, a bit of a shame it was on five days. I was talking about it on our TikTok. If you guys don't follow us over there, um, it's stickywicket underscore urn. Um, so it's it's five days might have made it really interesting. There was about a hundred and uh, that's about two hundred, I think. The um the England were behind um, with with an innings to bat before it was a it was a draw and yeah. Um, another day's play could have made it really interesting with England having to on the, on the fifth day pitch try to chase down um, one eighty two hundreds, which, which would have been which would have made it really interesting. But instead, India bat out a day brilliantly. Uh, Rana, I think it was um, their their spinner who took took a bunch of England wickets in the first innings as well. I think got four, I want to say, yeah, um, and then batted out for a, for an eighty not out um, at the end, end of the day's play after after the Indian batting lineup scored. Just runs and runs and runs. Uh, Philly Burma, uh, 96 in the first innings and then 63 in the second. Deepthi Sharma. Um, they've, they've, their team is, is really starting to, to get, get a name for itself. I mean, they've got a young team, a lot of it. Um, I think they had six debutants in the test match, maybe seven. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, the, the England's debutant as well, Sophia Dunkley, who was fantastic. 74 not out, batting at number six um, for England. And I should she batted brilliantly for, for that 74 and then bowled, bowled some ladies I think um, possibly yeah. as well um, and, and it's, it's, it's fantastic really isn't it yeah it's so important that um, black and ethnic minorities in, feel like they're part of the England setup. Uh, I know we really celebrate that 2019 World Cup winning team as a reflection on you know modern England and the diverse nature of it but I was I was so amazed that no black female cricketer had played cricket, and that really brings up questions. And Ebony Rainford Brent had been so like impassioned speaking about it on the radio this week. It, sorry, um, it's it's quite interesting that there hadn't been one, but there's one now, and hopefully the likes of Sophia Dunkley being played on BBC Two at the highlight show can get. I don't know if it's just one. Person, one young girl to pick up a cricket bat and start playing and even if she doesn't make it to professional level even if she's just a part of a county cricket setup even if she's part of a club cricket setup it's succeeded and I'm really worried about cricket this year and the next coming years because we've had this whole sort of build-up of 2019 we won the World Cup the heroics of Ben Stokes yes we didn't win the Ashes but I think the Stokes uh, sort of heroics overshadow it and then just COVID. COVID destroyed all the momentum England cricket built up. And I think it being on the BBC, women's cricket having uh, Indians women cricket and, you know, Sophia Dunkley representing uh, a whole ethnic ethnic group for England, it's beginning to change, I think. And I think when we first got into cricket, you said about 2009, to see women's cricket was always on a sort of shaky video recorder, very grainy pixels, Um it was almost, it was, let's be honest, almost a novelty that we had one, a, a female cricket team. And now, gradually over the last 12 years, it's getting somewhere. And I really think if we keep plugging away, talking about it as we've just done, and it being on the BBC, which is so important, we can really get somewhere. But let's move on to a team that have gone from, you know, quite bang average, the underdogs of Test cricket, to beating, you know, the biggest team in Test cricket, India, New Zealand. 
beat India in the first inaugural, or sorry, first is always the inaugural, inaugural Test World Championships. Um, what a wet few days in Hampshire, it's fair to say. Somehow <laughs> New Zealand won it. What were your thoughts on the match, mate? I would, I mean, just, just in the New Zealand have now won something that I'm just <laughs> so happy for them, really. Yeah. Uh, and they, they've always been the, the second best team, it's felt like, it's not quite made it. And I think um, Simon Dool summed it up quite well with um, the like, sometimes nice guys do finish first, uh, which, oh. which really made so much sense the way that they played. I've uh, been so close to 2019, 2015, getting to the final as well with the, the two ODI World Cups. Um, and and they've they've always been in and around the last few years, and and I think it does make sense that they they have won it. They've they beat India, um, they've they got smashed by Australia, but they um, but that was a that was a different New Zealand team, almost pre Neil Wagner test team, and it was it was a great game as well. I mean the the way that Ross Taylor and Kane Williamson, the sort of two stalwarts of uh, New Zealand cricket, carried them over the line at the end, sort of two or fifteen forty six on out. Uh, from the two of them, and and Devon Conway as well. They they found him two games ago. Scored a double hundred. Scored a fifty in in this match as well. Um, he's going to be fantastic. You think the next five years uh, while he's still playing, and and just the I think the bowling attack of of New Zealand really sums them up. You've got you've got the Trent Bolt and Tim Sally have been around for so <laughs> long and been so dominant, and then you've got the the likes of Neil Wagner who's sort of just. And Colin Bergonho, who just worked for the team tirelessly, putting in yards and yards and yards and just going on and on and on. And then you've got this new guy on the block, Carl Jameson, only played 10 test matches now, uh, nine test matches, um, and who's been fantastic. Only, what, two people have better better bowling averages after 40 wickets, which is mental. He's been so dangerous, so many fifers, um, so many scalps that, that he's taken. And, and it is amazing to see New Zealand have have managed to, to win it, which, which I'm so happy about. Yeah, for New Zealand, it means a lot to be, let's be honest, it's similar to Wales going through to 2016 semi-finals of the Euros, a nation almost defined by rugby, succeeding at another sport is so important to grow the game. And I was just so happy for them. If you look at the fans, they've always been, if you ever go to cricket with New Zealand players, or fans, sorry, they're always so nice. They're, it's never that sort of, edginess you might get with some other fans um they're always so polite and they just carry they play cricket in the way it should be played polite with an edge there is an edge there but it's never aggression well there is a bit of aggression but it, you know it doesn't boil over shall we say this this is urn let's look at the losing side here india how do they react to this oh, it's it's they're going to bounce back quickly. They've, they've got five test matches against us this summer as well. Um, and I'm sure they'll be ready to go straight away. Um, trying to trying to get back into to their winning ways as quick as they can. And I think it's going to be a really interesting series because the two pitches that England created against New Zealand were were sort of, almost, not Australian-esque, but were a lot more of the sort of try and bat, score 400, 500, bat long, um, and then bowl bowl the hard yards and, and try and take wickets where you can. And it'll be interesting to see if, if they try and do the same against India, which will suit them uh, a lot more than, than the England bowlers, you'd think. So that will be that's gonna be interesting to see. And I think they're gonna they're gonna come come back and, and attack straight away. It's gonna be it's gonna be a hard five test matches, I think, for, for both teams. 
um, later on in the summer, and I and I think India will be will be coming back for blood and trying to trying to possibly go even go five 0 against us, which which I think they'll they'll think they can do definitely with with the likes of Virat Kohli they've got who can lead their batting lineup. If he gets into the same form he was in back in 2018, then it could be a tough test. Um, now that India have their top three sorted out, whereas I think Pajara didn't even play in that first test against us two two three years ago. Um, so it's it's going to be it's going to be big. I think this this summer. What, what do you think, Dom? How how do you think they might react to it? Oh, I I'd hope they get a taste of their own medicine and we just prepare almost the greenest vegetable patch we can. <laughs> but I think you know we won't because we don't have that sort of ruthlessness about us anymore. Um, but yeah, I can see India doing quite well against, if we're honest, a test side that hasn't quite convinced me yet with England. But it was quite, uh, I know India sort of played their part in letting New Zealand win it. Not, not to say they bottled it, but they made a game of it because it could have gone to a draw, which is bizarre in a final to think that they only had one spare day ready, but it just rained and rained and rained. Indian didn't look, ever look like they really were on top of the game. I know they had their moments, but I always thought from sort of day four-ish that New Zealand had the best chance of winning. And fair play to India. They've handled this very respectfully and there's been no allegations of cheating. Like there seems to be any time India don't win it in a major final. Um, but yeah, good to New Zealand. The World Test Championship though, it's finally come to an end, Toby. What were your thoughts on its first? Is it a season? Is it? Uh, I don't really know what it is. Is yeah. it, it tournament? Uh, it's ended. Yeah. Mm. I I really like it. I think it it can be improved and it and it will be improved. And I think they already have started that with with now they're doing points per game rather than um, the sort of the weird thing where you play a two match series and a match is worth twenty four points. I'm oh, sorry, sixty points. And if you play a five one, it's five matches. It's twenty. 24 points, which which was that confused me and I think confused everyone. Um, and I think it's now worked out for, for the better with the COVID allowing the points per game, which I think they probably possibly hadn't thought about before. Uh, I quite I do like the World Test Championship though. I think it, it makes it interesting that um that there's sort of something more behind all these sort of bilateral test series that there, there hasn't been for, for so long. And it's it's not like oh we don't really care about test matches because it's not playing for anything but I think it does put an extra little bit behind it and and does mean there's there's something more to, to play for and, and you could see how much it meant to, to the Kiwis uh, to win this and and how, how much Brett Coley was um, sort of disappointed uh, you, you could see I think he, he said that he, he's not too fast because it's only a one match series not a three match series like he thought it should have been um, always come out with excuses um, but <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think I do like it, and I think it will keep going, and, and I hope it does for for the, the best part of the foreseeable future. Um, what, what do you think of it all, Dom? It was it's good. It you know it brings meaning to it, like we said. But I would prefer it to be almost knockout. If you know what I mean, just if we mm. just dedicated a summer to it. If you know what I mean, we just went right. All of you guys come over here. I know there's so there's ten international t- test playing nations. Uh, There's 12, but only nine or 10 were in this tournament, which I think they're changing for the next one. Uh, It just screams the ICC to me. Um, (laughs) Oh, we've got some nations wanting to play cricket. Nah. Uh, We'll focus on the (laughs) cricket. Okay. Really going to help the game grow. Uh, It would be quite fun to have a sort of a purely knockout competition 
uh, just because, you know, it would focus test cricket, like, similar to a World Cup. I think this goes on for so long. It doesn't ever really build momentum. And then, oh, there's a final. And you're just there like, um, I'm meant to care about this. <laughs> I find it quite difficult to sort of get emotionally invested because obviously it's the first of a new series. It, it just didn't, it, it didn't feel like I had much gravitas behind it. Obviously, I'm delighted for New Zealand. But I'd, if an England cricketer was to, if, you know, the magic genie pops out the bottom and says, England can win the World Test Championship or they can win the Ashes, down under, say, I'm, I'm obviously going to go for the Ashes. It, it, I think there needs to be, I'm not really sure how to put greater incentive into it, but I think it needs growth in history, but there also needs to be a condensing of it so it doesn't feel like it goes on forever, which, to be fair, wasn't helped by Corona. I'm sorry, you can probably tell throughout this, my voice is going, I've had a bit of a cold. Before we go, England beat Sri Lanka 2-0 in two test ma- uh, T20 uh, games at Cardiff. Did those games do anything to change your mind on England, Toby? No, not really. I've never seen face at that. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the one thing that has come out of it, perhaps, is, is Liam Livingston, I think. I think. And, and Chris works well, possibly. Um, that the Livingston has really, I think, um, sort of put his hand up and said, "Look, I, I'm actually I'm quite good at this T20 thing. Um, I can bat in the middle order. I can bat at the top of the order. I just want to play." Um, which, he can bowl. Which I think it's exactly. He can kind of do it all, which is good to see. And and I think he might not be a starting member of the the World Cup team, but I would be surprised if he doesn't play in a couple matches um, when we go to India with his with his handy spin, as you mentioned there. Um, and, and his power hitting down the order could be invaluable. So I think, other than that, though, I think it's it's not the most interesting series. It's it's a T twenty, it's T twenties, which which is always going to be good. Um, and it's cricket. But other than that, um, I was I wasn't too fast. I didn't see much of it. I saw some highlights. Um, I was just wasn't wasn't too too fast really. <laughs> what what do you think of it all done? Really impressed with England's bowling. The Batting, on the other hand, left a little to be desired. I still think Joe Root needs to be put in there. But as Jimmy Anderson said on BBC, there's so much talent. And it's just finding, it's it's the nicest problem. We've said this on so many of our podcasts before. It's a nice problem of finding a way to match them all together. Because it's almost like collecting like football stickers. You can have Ronaldo and Mbappe and all these people, but you need someone in the midfield to sort of figure that out. And that's what Joe Root is. He is almost... He, he's not going to ever score a blistering 100. He's going to just keep rotating the strike. And he was so important last World Cup that we should have won. And I know the game moves on so quickly in the last, well, it's going to be almost six years since that. But we, we do need him. And I think Owen Morgan and Chris Silverwood would be foolish not to put him in the starting 11. But it's the ECB. Chris Silverwood has decided, you know, this is all on him now, um, which is a very interesting policy when you've lost your first home series. I'm going to be honest, as on his own, but um, we'll see how that goes. There will be a preview episode for the 100 and for England versus India. We're both very excited for a full summer of cricket. We're sorry we weren't here earlier, but as I said, long rain delays in the ERM studios because of coursework <laughs> exams. And it's fair to say a lot of drinking. Toby, go well, mate. Cheers. And go well to you, the listener. Bye.